Hi, and welcome to episode 46 of 5 Minutes of Rum. Notes on rum, a few minutes at a time. My name is Kevin Updegrove. In this episode, I'm going back to the aged Agricole well and talking about Rum Jam VSOP. Agricoles can be a little more expensive when compared to other rums, but I think this one is worth the expense. And heck, rum is still, at least for now, a much better deal than similar tequilas and whiskeys, so it's all a relative expense. I'll also touch on Luxardo cherries and why that is also a worthwhile expense for home cocktails, and I'll make the three dots and a dash cocktail. And then heck, I'll throw in another recipe that's also not mine for good measure. Now, before getting started with the rum for this episode, I actually want to um, mention a little bit of Tiki Oasis Aftermath. So this is my first episode after Tiki Oasis 2015, uh, which was is and always is a lot of fun. I had a great time there, but there is a little bit of uh, sort of re-entry time after coming back from Oasis to integrate myself back into normal routines and things like that. So this episode's coming out a little bit later. Um, I also want to say thank you to all the people that stopped by uh, either at a symposium or just, uh, you know, running into me on grounds and said hi and, and mentioned liking the show. That means a lot to me. So thank you very much for uh, for uh, those people that came up and said hi. Um, I probably wish I had more time to spend talking, um, but I uh, always seem to be short on time at Oasis. Anyways, um, also at Oasis, another highlight, Martin Kate seminar, which is always a highlight this year. Uh, learning a lot more about what merchant bottling is and blending of rums. In particular, merchant bottling um, is something I'll cover in future episodes. I didn't really have a good handle on that or or an understanding of it. Now I'm starting to. Uh, The good side is you can get some really good rums out of that. The bad side is they're generally a finite product, not something that's going to be around forever. But uh, that's a topic for a future episode. And another highlight for me was uh, participating in the uh, Sunday San Diego bartenders battle as a judge, along with uh, Marie King, Kelly Merrill, Rob Burr, and Otto, the organizer of Tiki Oasis. So that was a lot of fun to participate in that, and I had a good time doing it. Uh, So and good job on all the contestants there. They served some very excellent drinks with some great presentations. Um, And not really rum-related, but uh, Man or Astro Man kind of blew the stage apart on Saturday. So... Not again, not at all rum related, but if you uh, have not listened to them, go grab yourself some Manor Astro Man and enjoy. Okay, now let's get to the uh, Rum JM VSOP uh, or VSOP, depending on how you want to abbreviate it. Uh, as a re- short recap, this is a, an agricole rum. So, an agricole from Martinique, um, which is not just, uh, not only is it distilled from fresh pressed cane, unlike being made from molasses. But its production is also governed by AOC, the Appalachian of Origin process that governs uh, production of rum on Martinique. Uh, goes back to its French roots, uh, with Martinique being a French colony uh, in the Caribbean. So, the, um, being governed by that AOC, um, and I'll have notes for this on the show in the show notes if you want to go back and refresh yourself. But there's implications on how the rum can be produced by being governed by that uh, Appalachian of Origin. Um, actually, you can also go back and listen to episode five when we talked about the Rum Jam Agricole Blanc. And there's more information on agricole and its production in that note or in that episode as well. Um, so, in short, the AOC is going to put certain standards in place that have to be adhered to to assure you know how it's aged. An agricole rum is again distinct uh, is excuse me distilled directly from sugarcane and not from molasses. So you get that stronger sense of the soil, the earthiness, the grassiness, and a little bit you know indeed of where a little bit more of where that rum came from as opposed to molasses, where some of that gets lost in the process, especially as molasses has become more of a commodity and doesn't have as many ties to individual islands. The Rum Jam VSOP is bottled at 90 proof, or 45% alcohol by volume. It is not impossible to find, but you'll need to find a more specialized store other than a local BevMo or a corner liquor store. Um, Agricole availability in general isn't, it's improving um, better than it was four or five years ago, 
uh, but it's a you know because it's an imported uh, more specialized product you don't find it in as many places because stores have to sell bottles in order to, to stay uh, stay afloat so you find specialty retailers do probably a little bit better job of of stocking this uh, this bottle is about $55 a bottle I believe currently I think I paid about $50 for it um, there's a little bit more I'll, I'll get to this after the tasting but there's a little bit uh, difference in how this rum came out originally and how it uh, exists now on, on on the shelves so let's do some tasting notes first before we get into the rest of the rum um, I have my glass here in terms of appearance on this rum in the glass it's a, a light brown uh, like a light maple syrup color and if you hold it right up to the light and tilt it you get a little bit of a green tint to the very top edge uh, when you look at it in distinct in uh, direct light uh, swirled in the glass it's going to produce thick legs that i found drop down uh, kind of at a medium pace on the glass and then and then left uh, droplets on the side of the glass after a few minutes aroma uh, just pouring this rum out um, starts to fill the air with that agricole note the sort of distinctive flavor of an or aroma of an agricole um, and, and also on the nose there's a distinct smell of wood uh, a little bit of cane and a little bit of grass and just a little minor hint of burn on the nose a little bit of that astringency that you're getting from the the 90 proof but not a lot not as much as say an agricole blanc which generally uh, are bottled at 100 proof and have a little bit more of that that initial burn and then that heat um, in terms of taste I find this uh, mild at first and then some heat comes in from like the middle of the mouth and starts to, to fill your mouth from there. Um, tasting a little bit of the barrel and a nice bit of earthiness from the cane juice. Uh, it's not really sweet, but you can tell it's coming from sugar. Uh, and I find it to be crisp and dry. It starts with a little bit of spice, but then finishes again with some of that warmth um, and really doesn't leave any sort of cloying sweetness in your mouth. Um, in terms of finish, uh, I found this to have a fairly long finish with a like I said, a slowly developing warmth that comes from the back of the throat and kind of works its way back up before mellowing out. Um, and after a few sips, you start to get the astringency to linger a little bit on the tongue, which then further extends the finish. Um, so oh, to sum up, overall, I find that this rum has um, a certain amount of depth to it, a, a good amount of depth to it, actually. It, it changes as you swip, uh, sip it, excuse me, sip and then swallow it. Um, in other words, it has like a beginning and a middle and an end, all of which are pleasant and kind of leave you wanting that next sip. So nicely complex for sipping and stands up in a mix if you're so inclined. Um, to use this rum in a cocktail, I, I would recommend it. Recommend it in one where it's going to be a featured rum, or excuse me, a featured ingredient, not something where you're going to you know, use equal parts and kind of bury it. Um, and I'd probably only recommend mixing a cocktail with this if you're making your first or second cocktail of the evening. Uh, after that, I'd probably move down the ladder a ring or two because, again, the stuff ain't cheap, and it certainly ain't free. Now... As I mentioned before, I talked about the Rum Jam Agricole Blanc way back in episode five, and there's a link to that episode in the show notes. Um, the VSOP or VSOP being kind of you know pricey is worth investing in if you like aged rum. Uh, so now that I've tasted it, well, to be honest, I've tasted it for years. I'm kind of just pretending that this was the initial taste for this episode. Uh, let's go have a look at some of the company marketing. Now there's a, a link to the product sheet for this rum in the show notes, but let's go over a little bit of the high level details on it. Uh, the cane itself is grown on Martinique and pressed immediately after harvest, and that cane juice is then in turn fermented and spends some time in a steel vat to kind of just chill out and, and mellow a little bit. And after leaving the steel vat, it's then aged three years in charred, charred excuse me, bourbon barrels. Then it's off to a uh, new American oak cask for one more year where it develops a little bit more of the color that you see in the rum and takes on some of those wood notes that you uh, taste when you sip the rum. It's then distilled down to 45% ABV, uh, or according to the product sheet, it's 40 43% for some bottlings. 
Um, in fact, when I first bought this rum in, I think it was late 2010 or early 2011, it was still bottled at 50% alcohol by volume and came in a one liter bottle. Uh, these days when I find it in the store, it's 45% ABV and a standard 750 milliliter size. So it's possible that this bottle, which I bought a while ago, has now been replaced and maybe they bottle at 43. But as as the bottle I have in front of me is a 43% alcohol, excuse me, 45% alcohol by volume. Um, other notes, um, there's really not much else to report on this rum. Um, like other agricoles, it's kind of a polarizing spirit. Some will embrace the boldness that you get from that flavor profile and others not so much. And it, it is certainly more tamed than an agricole blanc. Um, and what you're trading in is in, in exchange for that extra heat and funk that you get from a blanc, you're going to get more of those barrel notes. So as you move closer and, and well, not closer, but as you go farther into the barrel, you're going to take on more of those aspects. So if you don't really like a blanc, but maybe you like it a little bit more age, this might hit a sweet spot for you. Um, if you don't like agricole at all, I'm not saying that this rum is going to change your mind, but it may be worth revisiting the category from time to time if you're not particularly an agricole fan. Um, as a style, agricoles are very distinctive. Uh, but even within their own, you know, within that style, the brands themselves vary from from brand to brand. So, in fact, um, probably a good way to think about this is I found a, rum, a review of this rum from 2012 where Josh Miller from in the Inuakana site didn't really enjoy it. But he did mention, and I thought this was a good point that he brought up in the comments uh, underneath the article, is that palettes change over time. So don't really close the door completely. If you haven't liked something in the past, it's probably worth revisiting later on to see if, you know, you've come around to it or if it's something that you, as you as you develop more of a taste, maybe it's something that you come to appreciate more. So let's talk a little bit about garnishes and cocktail cherries, and in particular, Luxardo cherries. So what, what are Luxardo cherries? There's a photo in the show notes of the jar. They are cocktail cherries that are made by the Luxardo company, which I believe is now imported by Anchor Distillery, or excuse me, Anchor Distilling. They're made from the Morasca cherries, which is the same cherries who pits, whose pits are the bases of the maraschino liqueur. I talked a bit about maraschino liqueur in episode 35. The link for that is where else, but in the show notes. Um, and then in the name of efficiency, I can only presume, uh, the pits go into the liqueur and the cherries themselves now pitted are candied uh, in sugar and then steeped and shipped in a cherry sugar syrup. So they are, um, when you look at them, they're a very deep red color, almost near black. And Luxardo says that during this process, no artificial colors are used. So that's all a product of the uh, manufacturing or the, the creation of this particular candied cherry. They look very sharp when used as a garnish. Um, and guess what? They also taste delicious. So um, like many quality cocktail components, these were once a little bit harder to find. But I do see them in a lot of bars now, and I'm always happy to see them. Uh, if they if I order in Manhattan and it comes garnished with uh, Luxardo cherries, I, that's a, a great sign that you're in a place that's paying attention to a lot of the little details. Um, kind of like the rum, they can be a little spendy. They retail for about $20 a jar. Uh, but I'll say this, if you're going to get cocktail cherries, I would recommend getting these. And if you're going to get the bright red ones, they will look, you know, the, the sort of ones you think of when you think of maraschino cherries. Uh, if you get those, they will look good in your photos, but the taste is not really why you're buying those. You're buying those because they look good on the glass. Um, and over time, these cherries aren't as expensive as long as you resist fishing them straight out of the jar and snacking on them straight. If you stick to them as a garnish, you'll get quite a few cocktails out of a, a small jar of these Luxardo cherries. Now, a little bit more um, information on storage of your investment cherries. Uh, please do not put them in the refrigerator after opening. They're, they're said to keep about three years um, after they're opened. And you want to store them in a dark, cool place. Um, if you store them in the refrigerator, the sugar will start to crystallize and solidify. In fact, I made the mistake of putting my first jar I ever bought into the fridge, and then I thought I ruined the jar. 
Uh, fortunately, um, I guess the hot late summer uh, brought mine back to life, uh, sort of melted the crystals down and they you know, went back to their normal state. Um, so for better or worse, uh, a hot kitchen can help with some things. Now, when using these cherries as a garnish, um, you can actually put three of them in a row on a bamboo pick and you've essentially added three dots to a dash. Um, and if you're going to eat three at a time, you might as well make those three dots and a dash cocktails. Awkward transitions aside, let's talk a little bit about that three dots and a dash cocktail. Now, I actually changed my episode order for this drink. Uh, this is one of my, what I consider a forgotten favorite that wasn't in my current rotation at home. Uh, but I made one a few nights ago and decided that I would reorder the episode queue uh, just because I wanted an excuse to make a few more of them. And I thought it was a good opportunity to talk about another agricole rum. So uh, first things first on the name, three dots and a dash is Morse code for the letter V, which in turn is itself a representation of capital V victory in WWII or World War II. Uh, this is a Dawn the Beachcomber recipe dating back to World War II uh, and was named for that victory. According to Sip and Safari, the version that was printed in that and that is reproduced in the Total Tiki app is as it was served in the 60s at the Las Vegas Dawns, though as just mentioned, the recipe did originate near the end of World War II. Now, the recipe itself is one half ounce of fresh lime juice, one half ounce of orange juice, fresh if possible, one half ounce of honey mix, one and one half ounce of aged agricole rum, in this case the Rum JM VSOP, one half ounce of Demerara rum, in this case I'm using Hamilton 86, one dash of Angostura bitters, one quarter ounce of Fullernum, and one quarter ounce of Pimento Dram. Now combine that with three quarters of a cup of crushed ice in a spindle blender, mix that for five seconds, and pour unstrained into a quote-unquote specialty glass. Uh, I'll get to that specialty glass in a moment. And then garnish, th garnish that with three Luxardo cherries on a skewer. Now, in terms of presentation, um, about that garnish. So as published, the published garnish is three cher cocktail cherries speared to a pineapple stick as the dash. Um, I don't use the pineapple stick just because there isn't pineapple in the cocktail, and it would throw the flavor off a little bit if you submerge the garnish into the drink. Um, and no, to be fair, the cherries aren't in the cocktail either, but I'm resting those on the side of the glass and not submerge, submerging them, so that's my excuse. Uh, with regards to the specialty glass, I found that a small wine goblet works very well, as does a squat stemless cocktail glass or a small pilsner. Uh, the photo of the cocktail in the show notes is featuring that small squat stemless cocktail glass, which just seems to be the right size for this drink and is pretty well spill-proof. Uh, another good idea, as, the, as they do it at Smuggler's Cove, in terms of the garnish, is to use a pineapple leaf next to the three cherries. So you still get that three dots and a pineapple dash, but you don't have the flavor, obviously, of a pineapple chunk of pineapple in your cocktail. There's a photo of that presentation also in the show notes. Uh, taste, when this cocktail, if you look at the recipe, it seems to be a little bit precious or a little bit fussy if you just read it. Uh, but this cocktail comes together so well, I can't really fault it for just being true to itself. Uh, where when you make a rum barrel, it feels like a lot of everything is going into a big mug. Uh, and don't get me wrong, I do love a good rum barrel, but that's another show. Uh, the Three Dots has a has very well-matched flavors on an interesting symmetry when you look at the cocktail recipe. So for instance, uh, if you start it off, you look at a half ounce, a half ounce, a half ounce. You're looking at a half ounce of lime juice and a half ounce of orange juice and then another half ounce of sweetener. So you get in with an ounce and a half of what's essentially uh, pretty much a sweet and sour mix at that point, but a very uh, articulated and freshly squeezed one and, and considered one, not just you know some sort of sour and sugar. Uh, you match that now with an ounce and a half of the aged agricole rum, and then you add another half ounce of Demerara rum. It's going to give a little bit more base and give it a little bit more um, sturdiness. And then you put in a dash of bitters. Dash of bitters is always good for sort of bringing things together. 
And the quarter ounce and a quarter ounce of the Falernum and Pimento Dram gives you a lot of different spice elements, um, but still matches up nicely with the half ounce of Demerara rum that you put in before. So there's actually, you know, it's it's not, again, it's not just everything thrown into a glass. There's some careful considerations made when putting this, this drink together. And when it's made well and when it's, you know, measured correctly, you actually can taste each element. Um, in fact, this cocktail was used at uh, Martin Kate's CSI Cocktail. Um, it ended up being CSI Cocktail 1, I believe in Tiki Oasis 2011, uh, where a bunch of different ingredients were put together on a mat in front of people. And then you had the cocktail and you tried to taste which elements you could taste and, and pull out how many of them you could get out of the eight total ingredients. I think the winner in that case was Marie King, and I think she got six or seven, if I believe. But it's an interesting experiment. You really can taste, uh, when it's well-made, you really can taste all the individual elements and they come together very well. Um, and I, I particularly enjoy this cocktail because I think it showcases an aged agricole rum very well. There's not a lot of, aside from having a tea punch, which is usually an agricole blanc, and maybe the donga punch, which is another Don's agricole drink, there isn't a lot of drinks that really showcase just the agricole rum, but I think this one does it very, very well. Um, another favorite of mine to substitute in for the rum jam VSOP or VSOP is the Royal St. James Royal Amber Rum, which I talked about in episode 31. So if you have a bottle of that, that's another good option for making this cocktail. Um, sort of a side tangent, speaking of St. James and why it seems to be so hard to find now in the U.S., uh, it seems that St. James has uh, elected to um, stop doing a 750 milliliter bottle just because it didn't make sense for their uh, for their company. So the the short version is is that pretty much everywhere else in the world, other than the U.S., uh, the standard bottle size uh, for a bottle of liquor is 700 milliliters. In the U.S., it's 750 milliliters, um, which means that if anybody wants to sell a bottle of spirits in the U.S., they have to bottle it in our standard size. Um, and there's a large lobby for keeping 750 milliliters by you know U.S.-based uh, distillers um, because it helps protect their market a little bit. So you know. Spirit manufacturing politics aside, um, I think when the the reason why you don't see so many people import things into the U.S. if they're not a U.S.-based manufacturer and they're not high volume is simply because you're now expensing um, doing two different bottling sizes, one for the rest of the world, essentially, and one for the U.S. So it's a little bit unfortunate because I really do like St. James. I wish they there was a way to get that here, um, but it seems, that at least at the current moment, it doesn't make uh, sense for them economically. That's a tangent we need to come back from. So. Um, enjoy the three dots and a dash. I have mine here, and I do. I think I'll take a little sip. Uh, very refreshing. I would highly recommend making this drink, taking your time, measuring it out, and enjoying. Now, how about a bonus recipe? Since we're talking about rum jam, um, rum jam sponsored Tiki Oasis in uh, 2010. I think they also sponsored other years, but in particular Tiki Oasis 10. Um, and there was a Martin Kate seminar on punch, and so. This recipe is going to be the Martin Kate uh, produced along with uh, Blair Reynolds. There was a Tiki, Tiki Oasis 10th anniversary punch. Um, in addition to all the great information on punch and it, uh, sort of which led me to buy the David Wondrich book on punch, which was, you know, uh, outstanding. I think I talked about that back in the Cup of Cheer episode. That might be episode 17, I think, but go look that up on the site. Um, not just, you know, it did taught people not just about the hows and whys of punch, but also they produced a giant bowl of punch and a 40 gallon volcano bowl filled with punch. So needless to say, the combination of information and a 40 gallon volcano bowl, uh, left a lasting impression on me. There's a photo of, of that. I didn't get a really good photo. Uh, iPhones didn't take as good photos in those days and I didn't have a good camera with me, but there's something of a photo of that in the show notes as well. So to make uh, the Tiki Oasis 10th anniversary punch put together one ounce of rum JM VSOP, 
one ounce of Zaya rum, one ounce of uh, strong English tea, like an English breakfast or a Dijerling, one ounce of fresh lime juice, one half ounce of cinnamon syrup, one half ounce of vanilla syrup, and then optional or, you know, depending on the sweetness of your cinnamon and vanilla syrups, you to taste, you can add a quarter ounce of Demerara sugar syrup. Combine all of those ingredients in a shaker tin with ice and then pour unstrained uh, into a volcano mug or into a double fashion glass. And then to make a punch, you just multiply each ingredient by the total number of desired servings and serve that in a larger vessel like a volcano bowl or some such. That's it. Thank you for listening. Show links are up on the 5 Minutes of Rum website. That's number 5 minutesofrumcom The show is also on iTunes as 5 Minutes of Rum. On iTunes, you can subscribe, you can rate the show or leave a review. The show is also on Twitter as at 5 Minutes of Rum. That's at symbol number 5 Minutes of Rum. Um, I'm also starting to post on Instagram, also under the 5 Minutes of Rum uh, moniker. Uh, so you can find either on Twitter or on uh, Instagram as at 5 Minutes of Rum. Please send in comments, corrections, feedback, and requests via the 5 Minutes of Rum website or on Twitter or even on Instagram. Uh, and now, go get some rum. <laughs>